0: Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. All right, are you guys glad to be in the presence of God tonight? Amen. I believe God's going to move. You guys can be seated. Oh man, I'm excited to be here. There's no better place to be at on a Wednesday night than at Reach Church. How many guys believe that? Man, I love it. Uh, since we talked about honor on Sunday, I have to do this. I want to honor our pastors, Pastor Omar and Sister Letty. Honor you guys, love you guys, and obviously our pastoral staff. And uh, lastly, my beautiful wife Linda, who's in the building. Yeah, give it up for her. I love that girl. All right. Oh, I also want to shout out. I don't know if you guys see them in the front, but I want to shout out Reach Youth. Man, it's a privilege and an honor that my wife and I get uh, to lead such an amazing group. And man, if you don't know, God is moving in Reach Youth. If you don't know, God is doing something in Reach Youth. Kids are getting saved. Uh, Kids are are encountering Jesus. They're they're getting in the presence of God, and and their lives are being changed. And I believe right now that there is revival coming for the youth. But not only do I believe that revival's coming for the youth, I think revival is coming to reach church. I, d- I don't know if you guys feel it, I don't know if you guys sense it, but I sense that God is stirring up something in this church. I believe God is getting us prepared for something big that he wants to do at our church. I believe we're gonna see more salvations, I believe we're gonna see uh, more addictions being broken, more lives being healed, families restored. And I believe God is gonna do something at Reach Church. If He's not doing it already, He's gonna do even more. And I had a conversation with my leaders at Reach Youth, and I was telling them how I felt. I was telling them how I felt about God moving in Reach Youth, about God moving at our church, and, and I began to tell them that, you know, I, I I sense a revival coming. I sense something that that God wants to do, something with us and with the youth. And, And as I began to share my heart with my leaders, I told them, but my heart is broken for something. I told them, as I think about the revival, I get a little bit sad and I get a little bit bit fearful. Because when God comes, when God brings the revival to our church, when God brings the revival to our city and to our nation, there's going to be people in this room that are sitting down that when God comes, you're going to miss it. I began to tell them that I'm afraid and I'm heartbroken because God is gonna bring uh, an outpouring of his spirit like never before, but there's someone in this room that when he comes, you're just gonna miss it. And as I begin to talk, talk to them, as I begin to think about that, and you see right now, God is stirring up something in, in this church, God is stirring up something in the youth, but I believe the enemy is as well. I believe now more than ever the enemy is after you the enemy is after your soul the enemy is after your family and I believe that if we're not careful we're gonna miss the revival that God wants to bring I believe if we're not careful the enemy is gonna rob us of, of experiencing the revival of experiencing an encounter with Jesus and ultimately giving up the call that God has on your life And I believe he's working to take a couple things away from you. And tonight, I want to share this with you. Now, I'm not going to be very long. I know we always say that, but my youth get mad at me every time I do that because I go longer than I should have. Um, But I'm not going to go very long. But I believe that I want to talk to you about a couple things that I believe the enemy wants to take away from us. You see, tonight, I believe that As we're experiencing revival, as we're on the up and coming of of a revival, of a move of God, the enemy wants to take away two things. He wants to take away your focus, and he wants to take away your endurance. So tonight, can you guys pray with me? So Father, Lord, we pray. God, we ask your Holy Spirit to move Jesus. Father, we pray, God, and we we sense your presence even now, Lord. We pray, God, God, that as I speak, God, that they would hear your words and not mine. Father, we pray and we ask, Lord, that, that they would receive the revelation that you showed me, Father. And, and God, we honor you, God. We give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you guys to turn your Bibles to John chapter 4, uh, verse 7 through 10. We're going to read. Daniel, can you keep playing? I'm sorry. I texted you, but you're, you probably had your phone off. Give it up for Daniel, guys. I'm sorry. Is that okay that we have him play? Is that, yes, okay. Thank you, Daniel. Love you. It's my brother-in-law, if you guys don't know, okay? John chapter 4, verse 7 through 10. We're only going to read these three verses, and uh, I kind of want to lay the foundation before we read it. And in this time, Jesus is on his way to Galilee from Judea. And I, I love that it says it, in, I believe it says it in five or six, verse 5 or 6. It says, he's on his way to Galilee from Judea. And it says that he goes through Samaria. Now in this time, I don't know if you know this, but during that specific time, the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. It goes all the way back in history where, where Israel was exiled from, uh, to Assyria in that time. And, and as the Israelites were exiled, as the Jews were exiled, they had relations with the foreigners there. And as they had a relationship with the foreigners there, they created a mixed race between the Jews and the uh, and Jews and the foreigners, and eventually they would be known as the Samaritans. Now the Jews, when they looked at the Samaritans, they looked at them as they were impure. They looked at them with disgust. They hated to look at them because they weren't full-blooded. And it, it goes all the way back. Racism goes all the way back, and and so, because the Samaritans were not full blooded and because they were impure, they were hated by the Jews. And because they hated the Samaritans so much, the Samaritans ultimately hated the Jews. And whenever the Jews had to make a journey to, to Galilee from Judea, the quickest way to get there was through Samaria. Regardless of any direction that you would go, Samaria just went right through it. But in reality, The Jews hated the Samaritans so much that instead of going through Samaria, they decided to go all the way around just because they hated the fact that they were impure. And here we have Jesus who is a Jew and he's on his way to Galilee from Judea and it says that he goes through Samaria. You see, Jesus didn't believe in those kinds of restrictions. Regardless of what the political climate was at that time, he didn't, he he rose above it. And I'm here to encourage you tonight. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you come from. You're not too far gone that Jesus isn't willing to walk through your neighborhood. You're not too far gone that Jesus isn't willing to walk through your life. Doesn't matter what the world says. Doesn't matter what you may think that you're too far gone. It doesn't matter. Jesus is willing to walk through it. Now, as Jesus is on his way to Galilee, he goes through Samaria, Samaria because I believe he had a purpose. In John chapter four, verse seven through ten, we're going to read this right now. It says this: Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, "Please give me a drink. I'm going I'm to take a drink because I need one right now. Okay? Thank you, Jesus." All right. Please give me a drink. He was alone at that time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, I love this reply. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. He replied if you only knew the gift god has for you and who you are speaking to you see god wants to bring revival god wants to bring revival to your life to your family to your church but if you're focused on the wrong things you're gonna miss jesus when he's right in front of you the woman was speaking to jesus she was speaking to the the king of kings the lord of lords the, the creator of the universe All all she cared about was the fact that he was a Jew and she was a Samaritan. Somehow, even though she was face to face with Jesus, her focus was on something else. I believe she was so focused on her past. You could probably assume by her response, and especially the time that they were living in, that maybe she had some bad encounters with Jews in the past. Maybe in her past, she's been treated badly. Maybe she's been hurt physically or even emotionally. Maybe she's been feeling like an outcast for a long time, yet now Jesus is speaking to her for a drink of water, but she's so focused on her past that it causes her to miss who she's talking to. You see, the sad thing is, a lot of Christians look like the Samaritan woman today. Where you're so consumed with your past, You're so consumed with your own ambitions, your own focus, that when Jesus wants to spend time with you, when he asks you for a drink of water, you miss him entirely because your focus was in the wrong place. How many times have we looked Jesus face to face but we can't recognize him? You see, I'm here to tell you, the enemy is so eager to get your focus so eager to get your attention because I believe if he can get your attention then he can get your time and if he can get your time then eventually he can get your life see where your focus is that's where your life is headed says in John chapter 10 verse 10 that thief's purpose is to steal kill and destroy the enemy's goal is to do whatever he can to get your focus on anything else than Jesus that's why we live in a world that's constantly trying to get your attention. That's why we live in a world that's constantly trying to get you to focus on the latest news, on the latest trends, the focus that, that there's new ways of living, that there's new beliefs that you can believe in now. And if the enemy can get you to shift your focus a little bit, then that's all he needs to lead you down a path of destruction. When I ask you tonight, where is your focus? As I began to write this, I thought about the story in Judges about Samson. Now, if you don't know, Samson was a man that was dedicated to God at a young age. And because he made a commitment to never cut his hair, the Lord gave him this supernatural strength. And Samson was this amazing uh, man of God who had this supernatural strength, but he met a woman named Delilah. He fell in love with this woman, and and at the time, Samson defeated the philistines over and over again and they had it they knew that samson was in love with this girl delilah so they the philistines go up to delilah and they say hey we need to find out the source of his strength we'll give you some money if you can help us out we know the story she decides to do it and it says that delilah goes up to samson they're sleeping one night and says okay what's the source of your strength and immediately samson says you know what heck no i'm not going to tell you and so they go to sleep. But it says that she does it again. And finally, Samson says, Oh, you know what? All you have to do is tie me up with seven new bowstrings, and, and that'll be the source of my strength. I'll be weak after that. How many, of we, how many of you know that she did the same exact thing that he told her? The Philistines come in, he breaks free, kills them all. And in that moment, Samson began to take his focus off the Lord and it began to focus on Delilah alone. And we know that Delilah kept egging him on and asking, what's the source of your strength? He tells her that you gotta wrap me up in brand new rope. Same thing happens, he kills the Philistines. Now you gotta tie my hair with seven braids. Same thing happens again. But the crazy thing is, the more Samson began to focus on her, the more he began to compromise the more he got closer and closer to the truth. It went from seven bowstrings to a new rope. Now he's talking about his hair. And we know finally, it says that she asked Samson again, and it literally says in the Bible that he was so fed up because she was nagging, nagging and nagging, and he finally told her. And we know that the Philistines come in, and he tries to do the same thing he's always done, but it says in the Bible that he didn't realize that the Lord had left him. And it says the Philistines came in and captured him. You see, the moment Samson compromised his focus was the moment he compromised his blessing. Some of you in this room need to hear this. The moment you begin to compromise your focus off of Jesus is the moment you begin to compromise the blessing that God has for you. Samson was this man of God who did amazing things for the Lord. He had this supernatural strength, but he was robbed because he compromised. I'm here to tell you, if your focus is on anything else but Jesus, your focus is compromised. I've seen so many people come to church. I've seen people get free from addictions, free from uh, just their life, and God has set people free. They come, and they have a purpose in their life, and and God changes them in the moment, yet they're not serving God anymore. Why? Because they started to give in to their worldly desires. Why? Because they started to compromise their focus. In Matthew chapter six, verse 24, it says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. There's so many Christians today that they're trying to serve God, but also they're trying to serve themselves. The problem with that is when a person tries to serve two masters, they're constantly torn between the demands of each master. You want to do what you want to do, but the Lord says you have to give up your life to find it. It leads to inner conflict with yourself, and it eventually causes you just to be stuck. It keeps you stagnant because you'll never feel truly satisfied because there is no real commitment in your life. That's why Jesus says, I'd rather you be in or out. I'd rather you be hot or cold, not in between. Because he understands that a lukewarm Christian thinks he's serving God, but in the end, there's no real commitment in their life. Satan will do anything to make you believe that you can have both. He'll make you believe that you can have God, but also you can serve your own self. He'll make you believe that, so when you're face to face with Jesus, you don't recognize him. Just like the Samaritan woman, the enemy wanted to remind her of her past. Just like Samson, he compromised his focus and they missed Jesus when he was standing right in front of their face. See, for the longest time, I grew up in church. Right? I, was, I say this all the time, I was practically born in church. I—I was When I was born, my dad was already a pastor. And I came to church Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday. Every day I came to church pretty much. I was a pastor's son, so I was a part of all the dramas, right? I went to the youth. I came to all the outings, came to all the events. But I missed Jesus all those years can't tell you how many times I came to church, but I was checked out. Can't tell you how many times I was in worship where the presence of God is here, yet I couldn't feel him. Why? Because my focus wasn't on him. And the reason my focus wasn't on him was because I didn't even know him. I was unaware of who Jesus was. I was unaware of the God that my parents served. I was unaware of why they did what they did, why they lived the way they lived. I just didn't know Jesus. See, the reason why some of us have a hard time focusing on Jesus is because you don't really know him at all. That's the reason why you can't say no to sin. That's the reason why you're focused on your past, why you always find yourself compromising. It's not because you're crazy. It's not because you'll never be able to serve God. It's not because your life is just that bad. It's because you never truly met Jesus. You see, it's when you meet Jesus, when you truly know who he is, that's when your life has changed. That's when your focus is changed. How can you focus on Jesus if you've never met him in your life? How can you focus on him if you don't know who he is? Let me tell you, the moment I learned about Jesus, the moment I met Jesus was the moment that changed everything in my life. The moment that I learned that he was sinless, yet he died a sinner's death. The moment that I learned that he died for my sins when when I didn't deserve it. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, it says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. The moment that I learned that he was wounded for my transgressions, that he was bruised for my actions, for my sins, that he took my sins away and gave me a second chance when I didn't deserve it because he loved me, change my focus. It's when I decided to know who Jesus was that my whole focus was shifted on him. Your focus will never be on him unless you truly meet him. There's some of you in this room who haven't decided to shift their focus yet. Maybe some of you have been ready to give up. Maybe you've been ready to stop coming to church. Maybe 20 2022 was a hard year for you. Anything, well, I don't think coming to church is gonna help. I don't think serving God is gonna help me. I guarantee you, if you go into this new year focusing on him, if you focus just on Jesus and Jesus alone, it's gonna be the best year you've ever had. And tonight, some of you, I believe, you need to shift your focus. See, I'm here to encourage you that God wants to do these amazing things in your life. God wants to bring revival. God wants you to encounter him. But if your focus is on anything else but him, you're going to be like the Samaritan woman. You're going to be like Samson, who Jesus is there, but you can't recognize him. See, God wants to bring revival. God wants to inhabit the praises of his people here. But the enemy's not gonna stop. Not only is the enemy trying to take your focus off of Jesus, but I believe the enemy's just trying to wear you out. All the enemy wants to do is for you to give up, for you to throw in the towel and say, you know what, Jesus isn't for me. Coming to church isn't for me. I tried it, but it's just not for me anymore. But I believe the enemy wants you to stop I believe the enemy wants you to stop serving the Lord because he wants to take your endurance because he's afraid of who you'll become if you keep pushing through. The enemy can't stand you becoming who God has called you to be. But let me tell you this. The only way you're going to be the man and the woman that God has called you to be is if you endure some things. In James chapter 1 verse 2 through 4 it's very popular scripture It says this consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kinds because you because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything see I love that James doesn't tell us if we'll face trials he does not say if we'll have to endure some things in in our life. No, he says, when you do that. When you have to endure some things in your life, when you have to face some hardships, when you face some trials in your life, consider it pure joy. Because it tests your faith and it produces perseverance. We know our pastor always says this, if a faith that can't be tested is a faith that can't be trusted telling you right now, if you give up when your faith is tested, if you give up when it's time to endure some things, you're not going to see the true power of God in your life. You will not be able to experience the blessing that God has for you if you choose not to endure. In Galatians chapter 6 verse 9, it's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. It says this, let us not become weary in doing good, For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, it says this, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. God does something when your faith is tested. God does something when you choose and when you decide to persevere. You see, perseverance is a choice. Why don't you say it's a choice? You decide if you're going to persevere or not. You decide if you're going to endure the trials or if you're going to give up. I want to read this story in 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14 through 19. It says this, When Elisha was in his last illness, King Jehoash of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see the chari- chariots and charioteers of Israel, he cried. Elisha told him, Get a bow and some arrows, and the king did as he was told. Elisha told him, Put your hand on the bow, and Elisha laid his own hands on the king's hands. Then he commanded, Open the eastern window, and he opened it. Then he said, Shoot. So he shot an arrow. And elisha proclaimed this is the lord's arrow an arrow of victory over aram for you will be completely for you will completely conquer the arameans at afek then he said now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground so the king picked them up and strike the ground three times he says but the man of god was angry with him he should have struck the ground five or six times he exclaimed then you would have beaten aram until it was entirely destroyed now you will be victorious only three times. Elisha told Jehoash to strike the ground three times or strike the ground with the arrows. It says that in the Bible that he only struck the ground three times and Elisha became angry with him and says he should have struck the ground five or six times. And in that moment, Jehoash made a decision. He made a decision to stop. He made a decision to not go a little bit longer. He made a decision to not endure what he was going through. And because of that, he missed out on his victory. He stopped short of seeing God completely work in his life. It says that Elisha was mad. It says, now you're only gonna defeat Aram only three times. See, tonight I believe that's God. I believe that's God speaking to us. Sometimes we tell God, God, I want more of your presence. God, I need you to work in my life. God, I need you to work in my family. God, I need you to get me out of this situation. But the moment it's time for us to endure, we stop. The moment it's time for us to make a decision whether or not to keep going, we decide not to. And too many of us in this room Are giving up too soon. Too many of you are choosing not to endure. We're choosing not to endure and it's causing us to miss what God really wants to do in your life. King Jehoash only struck the ground three times and Elisha became angry with him. He became angry with him because he knew that if he just kept going he would see victory. He knew that if he would just keep going, he would see him completely overtake Aram. And I believe God is looking at us. He's saying all you have to do is press in a little bit longer. All you have to do is seek me a little bit more. All you have to do is pray a little bit longer because victory is around the corner. About a year, year ago, uh as my wife and I were leading the youth, obviously, and we were in a season of it was a hard season for us. And I remember thinking, Man, like I'm trying to get God to move at reach youth. I feel like God I'm trying everything. I'm we we're in the sanctuary, now we're in the cafe. I got a full band, I'm preaching these hard messages or good messages, I thought, right? But God's not moving. And I remember sitting, I had a meeting, or I was talking to my dad in his office, and I began to tell my dad how I felt, and I began to tell him I'm discouraged, I began to tell him, God, Dad, I'm, I'm trying everything, I'm trying this and that, and nothing's working. You ever felt like that? Or you're just trying everything, trying to get in the presence of God, trying to pray that God moves in your family, you feel like it's not happening? And we're in that season where God is, where we, where we want God to move. Where we're praying and we're preaching and we're asking that the presence of God comes, but God's not doing anything. And I t- I'm telling my dad this, and I'm pouring out my heart. I'm telling him, and I'm asking him because I'm hoping that he's going to give me this, like, this great advice. I'm hoping that he's just going to give me this word of knowledge and say, Hey, you need to do this. You need to strike the ground five or six times. And I'm I'm hoping that he's going to give me this amazing word. And he, he actually does. In that moment, I didn't think so. You want to know what he tells me? He says, Jacob, I, I understand what you're going through. I understand what you're feeling. But just keep going. Just keep going. Just, just push a little bit longer. Push a little bit harder. Keep praying for them. Keep asking that God is going to move. And this was in, I think it was in July. And in September, we, we, we already had a retreat planned. And I remember thinking to myself in that office, man, that's what I've been doing. I'm, I'm asking God to come. I'm asking that he's going to move. Like, why is that so different? And I remember in September now, We're having this retreat and and honestly i'm just holding on to the just keep going me and my wife are just we're just gonna keep going and i remember you heading up to the retreat and i'm i'm just praying and i'm asking god god i i just need you to i need you to move in this in this retreat god i need you to i need you to touch us god i need we need a real encounter with you and i had i brought my brother omar with me pastor omar and I remember the first night. I had I had a lot planned out, right? I had a full-on sermon, pretty much. And I remember it being in the first night, and as Omar began to play, the presence of God found that room, and God met us there. And over the next couple of days, it was like that every single night, morning and night where God met us there. And I began to think, what if I had stopped? as the worship team comes up? What if What if I decided to stop? What if I decided to, you know what? I appreciate your advice, Pastor Omar, but, but I'm, I'm, I can't keep going. You see, I believe it was the endurance of the youth that we've seen our victory. And it was after that retreat that God changed the youth. It was after that retreat that now we're experiencing the victory now we're experiencing the full victory that god had intended for us your victory comes when you decide to endure these things even when you don't want to show up you show up even when you don't feel like god is meeting your needs he's doing something even when your family doesn't want to come to church keep praying for them keep enduring Keep pressing in because God is waiting for you to endure to give you the full victory. There is victory waiting for you, but you have to decide to endure. You decide whether or not you get the victory. It's it's, it's a promise from God. It says if you continue to do good, if you continue to endure, if you continue to press on, you're going to reap a harvest of blessings. When you endure for the Lord, it's not done in vain. See, I believe tonight that it's time for us to endure some things. I believe tonight it's time for us to shift our focus a little bit. It's time for us to press in because it's in the perseverance, it's in the endurance that we're going to see revival, that we're going to see our families change, our churches change, our lives change. But you decide whether or not you see it or not. We need to make a choice, make a decision that, God, that I'm gonna endure no matter what. God, that I'm gonna press on no matter how I feel. Think about the story of Jacob when he's wrestling God. It says that he was wrestling him all night. And it says that as the dawn began to come, it says that God told him, okay, let me go because the dawn is breaking. And we know the story. It says, Jacob says, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to choose not to endure until you move in my life. And because he didn't give up, it says that God blessed him. God changed his name. God blessed him because he fought with man and with God and, and has won. What if Jacob stopped? If Jacob decided to give up when, when, when God asked him to let go. See, I believe God was testing him a little bit. Is he going to give up or is he going to keep going no matter what? And because Jacob didn't give up, it says that the Lord blessed him. So my question tonight is who are you going to be like? You're going to be like Samson or the Samaritan woman, where your focus is in the wrong area when Jesus comes. You're going to be like King Jehoash, where you stop short because it got a little bit hard, because it was awkward striking the arrow. Or you're going to be like them and miss Jesus when he's right in front of you. Or you're going to be like Jacob, where despite wrestling with god all night feeling exhausted feeling like he can't go any longer he held on a little bit longer he endured a little bit longer he pushed in a little bit longer so are you going to continue to serve the lord when times get tough when things don't look good when you get a bad report when your family is is everywhere and lost are you going to continue serving him? Are you gonna continue serving Him where you're asking God to meet you and He hasn't met you yet? Where you're asking for for His presence, but He hasn't met you That are you gonna continue serving Him? Are you gonna endure a little bit longer? You see, tonight God is looking for people who will be like Jacob. God is looking for people who will fight for their family. God is looking for people who will fight for their lives who will fight for their generation. He's looking for people who will serve God when times get hard. And I believe he's looking for a church that would put all their focus on him. He's looking for people who will turn to him no matter what, a people who will endure when times get tough. Why don't we have every head bowed